Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. Simmer down with Sean Simpson. Brady Kachuk with the tip. His 100th goal. It is 300th game, and it's a Gordie Howe hat trick to tie it. The sickest Ottawa Senators podcast. It's going to be sick. You heard it right there. It is going to be sick. It is high noon for a little hockey talk and time to simmer down. Uh, welcome in for those listening live and certainly welcome uh, to anyone that listens during the next 24 hours. As I was starting to learn in the podcast world, people even rolling back. Our guest at 1220, Mr. Jamie Baker, uh, talking about some different episodes he's been listening to, including Mark Mathot. Uh, of course, our great chat yesterday about mental health with Michael Landsberg. So we're all over the place, but we're excited to be here. And let's face facts here. When it comes to sense hockey, uh, there haven't been a whole lot going on all of our talk has been about the pairings and the lines and a little bit of rest a few days off but we will get back to uh, ottawa center's game action tomorrow night as they host the new york islanders and of course as usual after i guess a little bit of a different day but i'm very happy to welcome back in my co-host my co-pilot my good friend from gatineau uh, mr justin murray how are you doing this afternoon justin hey how we doing I'm not too bad. Just kind of cycling into what we're going to do for the next six months is complain about the weather. Just yeah. to talk about and pretend that this isn't normal, that, you know what, Ottawa is usually beautiful, but we're going to go into that cycle that being Canadians and being from Canada and Ottawa, that's exactly what we do. Yeah, that's what makes us tough, right? Yeah, it really does. And and I don't mind the cold weather. I think at times it's a little more of the darkness, but it is. You just kind of get into that cycle and I guess makes me miss uh, when the Sens aren't playing or other teams. What have you been doing all week here to kind of keep yourself busy other than I know you actually uh, work extremely hard at your regular paying job? Yeah, yesterday was actually, thank God I didn't come on the pod because it was a little hectic with uh, a couple mortgages just trying to get to the yeah. finish line there so um but all is good woke up today with uh them being done so um all is good and ready for some that means i can have some football uh fun here today uh, oh i know eh? I, isn't this I, cool i i, I, I yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love living in the United States, spent about 20 years, and I got to say, setting up where, depending on what I was doing, whether it be traveling, but most times tried to carve out some time family-wise, that Wednesday night, everybody gets back together, Thursday, as you said, nice little meal, usually went around lunchtime, uh, and then all of a sudden pour into what my recollection was, though, Justin, unfortunately, not only growing up, but really in the last 20 years, a lot of hot garbage on TV as well. It was a whole lot of the Detroit Lions and usually other bad teams, so I think it's gotten a little better. Yeah. Um, but that Lions into a Friday shopping. I, I'm, I'm on the bandwagon a little bit. I've been watching them the last two years and thought yeah. it was coming and they're uh, they're playing well, but it, division matchups are always tough, I guess. So it'll be interesting to see the games here today. Um, but yeah, they can uh, those guys can put up some points. Well, and they're impossible not to cheer for. I don't think when you look out there and get a few people that I know uh, that have been hardcore Lions fans, hardcore Vikings fans. And I say that from an Ottawa perspective, if you're living in Detroit, that's one thing, right? You know what I mean? You're you're, you're going to be a Pistons, a Wings, a, a Tigers and a fan of, of course, the Detroit Lions. But if you're not living there to have to do that every year to yourself, to me, it's incredible. And when you look at a guy like Dan Campbell, we yeah. talk about coaches and coaches that you want to play for. Is he not kind of the poster child of exactly what you'd want i don't need all the x and o's i don't need all the other stuff there just give me the man's man and let everybody else around him do the work he seems like a great motivator uh, he's he would be right up there i mean obviously i love nick siriani because i'm an eagles mm -hmm. fan but dan campbell's right up there the top coaches that i'd want to play for uh you could just go go to war for that guy um mm -hmm. and he would go to war for you so um that's what you want um and then and obviously Surrounded himself with good offensive coordinator, good defensive coordinator. So um, that, that's just the makings of a, of a good staff right there. Yeah, it really is. And I think some of the faces in sports, and you're always trying to look at it, Justin, where it's headed, you see a lot more of the guys in football that wouldn't necessarily be on the sideline. Dan Campbell looks like the former player. Then you see other guys. You're kind of like, really, is that guy a football coach? But the yeah. players buy in, uh, kind of analytically yeah. driven. But I don't know if we look through sports anymore that we look at one particular way. There seems to be a lot of different ways well, uh, you can go at this and i guess the part i've always had a hard time with in baseball and now football it always seems weird to me that somebody would be coaching the sport that's never really played it at a high level i i, I but that's obviously not the case at all yeah it's it's, it's funny because 
when you're coaching, you're, you're the coach, you're managing the players, but then there's also like the coaching aspect of, you know, you're, you're going to have your linebacker coach, you're going to have your wide receiver coach. Those guys, I think, typically played the game in some sport. Mm-hmm. So they're actually learning those skills in there. And then their coaches just like almost on a high level managing the game. Um, but it's, it's interesting. You see in more sports, you see it in soccer, you see it in football, um, basketball, even like mm-hmm. players are going right from playing almost into a head coaching job because they, they know how the players are. They have that competitive attitude and then they do allow the others to maybe manage the uh, tactical aspects a little more, but they also know how to play. They've been in the dressing room for mm-hmm. you know, 10, 15 years. Who better to coach than that? And and I'm still a believer that you don't need to play the game always to coach, but but they're they're to get right into coaching. There's mm-hmm. you have to have played the game, right? Unless you, yeah. You know, if you're a coach that hasn't played, you got to work your way up, learning everything. But um, and that's why you know I I was a little tongue in cheek about Alfie, but you see it in <laughs> other sports and it, it's starting to work. I mean, Marty St. Louis done an all right job for what the Habs have, and mm-hmm. you know he isn't really a coach, right? As we think about it. So um, I think it takes the right personality, um, the right leader. And and then the, the guy that doesn't think that he knows it all as well, like brings in the right people around him. Um, yeah. It does take, a, it does take a, a, takes a town to build the. Let's go with that. I think that was all the way back to uh, Hillary Clinton. It takes a village to raise a person, yeah, whatever you go, go with. Go, and, go. and, and you know what? I think at the end of the day, whatever the model ends up being, if you have the support around you, if you have a good coach from the ownership down, I look to the Miami heat and you look at a guy like Pat Riley, but let's get into people don't want to hear a whole lot of football talk. Nope. Let's dive in. You brought up a great topic. Cause I think yeah. it is interesting as we go through who's the D pairing going to be, who's going to be back in the lineup. What's happened with the auto centers asleep. It's really gotten pretty old. We debate that all the time and yeah. it is fun kind of in game, but you brought up a point and I think it's, it's one to look at big picture. And I yeah. think we can get in further in the season, Justin into, cause I wonder in hockey ops, where are they thinking? Well, right now they're thinking about, to push trying to get into a playoff spot but as you know you very quickly have to start also planning and thinking about if the season goes sideways what do you end up doing but more than that and what you pointed out this morning is that with the ottawa senators when you look at the salary cap you look at say tarasenko and kubalik uh you look at some of the dead money from bobby ryan to white to delzado to murray all of a sudden cleaned up off of the books that all of a sudden, boy, oh boy, the Ottawa Senators both financially and just overall, and you mentioned as well, having a couple of first round picks. Now that first round pick is Detroit's choice. So yeah. obviously right now it end up being Boston, but still uh, how nice is it going to be where Ottawa is at from that standpoint, salary cap wise, and at the same time having a couple of first round picks. Yeah. So I just, you know, I'm, I didn't get to watch a ton of games yesterday, but I'm looking at the scores, watching some, mm-hmm. and I'm just kind of, you know, and then you hear, you just see some things on Twitter, but what are, what is this team going to do? What is that team going to mm-hmm. do? Having to sign this guy or a bad contract here. And I just was sitting there thinking like, God, Ottawa's in a great spot moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really have any bad contracts. Um, all their ones that were bad uh, are coming off the books. Um, and all your, Main guys are locked up long term at at a, at a time when the cap wasn't raising yet, so you got mm-hmm, them at a good mm-hmm. price. You didn't have that built-in inflation into it. Um, so Ottawa's like if I was a GM um, looking, you know, if I was a star GM that didn't have a job, like this would be a team that I would want to come to. Um, I think mm-hmm. the world's your oyster when it comes here. I think you have to make a bunch of smart moves to get to where you want to be to become that mm-hmm, top mm-hmm. five team in the league. That's it. But every team has to do that to get to there. So um, I think there's so much room um, for this team. You have that, those extra picks right now, you're going to lose one in the future, obviously, but having those picks now couldn't allow you to make a really good trade and, or um, make good picks. And from what I hear um, this draft is, you know, you might not have the high, 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 high end guy, but it's really deep. I think so far now that can change in the matter of a month. Um, but from what I can tell, there's, there's some good players out there. So, um, if you know, you have a good draft, um, and then all that money comes off the books, it, it really is shaping up and, and you can get negative talking about day to day of any team really. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 
but on a high level, you got to think positively uh, for the Sens because it is it, it it does look positive for them. Yeah, I agree with you. And some of when you're talking during a season, Justin, and we we'll talk about the Edmonton Oilers a little bit later. Jamie Baker will come on with us at twelve twenty. But it always is back to expectations, and that is, as you said, sometimes can be racked up as so much negative. With the Oilers, hey, I don't know if there's anything positive to talk about. But from the sense perspective, what you were just outlining there and saying is exactly that. The problem was the build up, the hype. What has kind of gone over the board as far as the coaching situation, in DJ Smith, has taken on a life of its own. That, as you said, because because of some different things, then you take the step back and you go through and you say to yourself of the value contracts that the auto senders have, how do you look at them? I mean, to me, Stutzel obviously looks like a great contract. I think we'd agree had that not been done at the time where he's headed, you're probably talking closer to 10 million. Uh, mm -hmm. Brady Kachuk just by nature of what he is. Then you can get into some other debate. Jake Sanders will be just fine. Uh, where Norris comes in, I'm given that time based on health. And then Thomas Shabbat's a bit of one, but to your point, I would look at this and I would assume that if you go through one of the important things in the salary cap world, do you feel confident? And I'll ask you this right now, Justin Murray, uh, Shawville, Ottawa, Canada, Gatineau. Um, do you feel confident that every, is there a contract on the books for the Ottawa centers that you don't think you could move? Because I no. certainly come into the year. I was saying this, man, oh man, Joseph doesn't make a ton of money, but there's no way. And I said it, there's no way you could move it. Well, I don't think there's a chance. Well, you, that that actually right now would be value. Is there a yeah. contract that you look at and say, you know what? That's that one that the general manager walks into the war room every day and is kind of like, oh, man, we got to get rid of that guy. No. no, I mean, you know, people, we can talk about Shabbat, but at worst, he's, you know, playing like a $6 million player. And this is when he's playing bad, you know? So so I think everything is looking good. And, and you know, coach looks day-to-day, -day, um, where GM has to look day-to-day, -day, but also a year out, three years out. Five years out, and um, when you look at that perspective, I think it's it's great. Like all the contracts are pretty good. You're gonna have to sign Chickering at some point, um, but the cap's gonna be rising. Um, you know, you're gonna have Clevin inputted, uh, who is gonna make cheap money. Um, they have a, a couple other guys you hope that can play on cheap money as well, and then you just kind of be filling. Then you have that. You know the two first rounders that are hopefully play in the next you know three to four years. So so then you're just kind of filling, 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 um, and and I think that's the way you got you do it unless you can really make a great trade for someone with term um, on a low cap hit um, that's going to be that you know is going to fit in with your roster. You want if you're making a trade like that, you got to really know for sure if those guys are going to fit in um, and and they have some term, but. But yeah, there's no bad contracts on the team at all. I don't think. Um, I think you get rid of any any contract. I mean, mm -hmm. in the league, for the most part, you can get rid of some bad contracts. We've seen it, but um, there's nothing here that I, I think you would even really have to attach anything to it to get rid of them. Um, yeah, and, and that and that not many organizations could say that that are planning to win. I mean, you know, they're 500 right now, but let's say they're a playoff team. What playoff team mm -hmm. really can say, "Hey, we have no not one bad contract." And we're getting four extra million because of dead cap hit money. And we're getting um, a couple guys off the books that we don't necessarily need on this team. Plus getting, you know, Pinto back and Greg back. Like it just, it's just, I think it's um, really, really, really positive on the long-term future. Um, that said, the GM always has to, he can kill that positivity or, or <laughs> increase it just by a couple of trades. But I think uh, you don't want to do too much, but I think a couple of shrewd moves, um, going forward could really set this team up nicely. Um, and yeah. that, it also helps the goalies playing well right now. And then the goal, the young guys in the AHL playing well, which kind of makes you not have to worry about that side of the game as much right now. Um, you have two guys down there that I think could potentially be NHL starters. Um, and one guy that I think for sure could, will be an NHL starter and really help your team. So, mm -hmm. um, not having to worry about that side of, things as well is really can help a GM um, be comfortable making trades. Yeah, it really is. And you go through it and the importance of, and I thought this was Calgary for a number of years, had some pretty good pieces. And one of the things, and when I was in Toronto when the salary cap first came in, Justin, there was a tendency to kind of spend the money, got to spend the money, got to be to the cap and how many moves. And if they're shrewd moves, which usually the last minute moves are not very good. No. They're usually a guy that comes in and does nothing. Then there's a long-term moves that seldomly work out and you get sick to your stomach. When you look at the Columbus blue jackets and you're trying to build something up. And I think they have some pieces in there, but when you look, at Line and Goudreau, you look at Huberdo, you start to go through teams. And I thought yeah. this with JT Miller might have happened. It was certainly Louis Erickson previous to that, Justin. But as you know, 
The problem is it takes on a life of its own and it ends up along with, and our focus here in Ottawa, unfortunately, is on the coach. But for the players, when it is a struggle, all you then do is talk about that player. And in the case of Liney having to make him a healthy scratch and what's going on with Huberdeau, there's no good getting out from underneath it. So from the Ottawa side, I agree with you. I think the questions are, well, Kubelik, I can't imagine they're going to re-sign him. How do you fit Pinto when he comes back? I think one of the bigger questions we get to the end of the season, and I'll ask you right now, uh, how would you handle Tarasenko's situation? And, and a lot of hockey to be played. We're, we're only you know 15 games through the season, so basically 20%. What would you do right now if you were the Ottawa Senators with Tarasenko? Wait and see, do something right away, wait until after Christmas. Uh, thoughts on that? I'm a, I'm probably a wait and see just because of his age and everything. I like the way he's played. I think he brings something to the locker room as well. Just a veteran presence, that guy that's won. Um, it's just hard. I don't think you want to get into term with him. I think it could get scary when you get into like term there. Um, to me, if you could keep paying him, maybe overpay him a little bit per year or on a two-year deal um compared to what you would get let's say on a three or four year deal would be like that's where i'm at um mm -hmm. but i think it's just wait and see um hopefully this team turns it on a little bit and then he's liking it you know he's got zoob here um and, and then and then you just hope that hey i think i could win here i've made money it turns out i like ottawa if he can say that and and maybe get them on a one or two year deal um but you still just have to i think it's a after christmas maybe even wait until later mm -hmm. in, in the year um because for him you just want to like ottawa more and more and i think i think that mm -hmm. happens if you start winning um and then i think you probably get him on a bit better contract then as well um because if, if if he doesn't think the team's doing well there's no real incentive mm -hmm. for him to be here other than getting overpaid right so yeah um so that's kind of what do you think about that well yeah it's interesting justin because you go back to the summertime and there were the rumors and the thought and certainly ottawa was in the mix and you heard rumors of ottawa off in a four-year deal and i thought initially my god what a gong show that would have been i still not confident with that yeah. but it was more of hey the players circled back and the feeling i got was he miscalculated he thought there was going to be more of a market out there so coming into ottawa what was his thought and his purpose his purpose was to reset himself in the market has he helped himself some i believe he has but i also don't want to get carried away first of all again play has been way better than i expected but he's got three goals and that's part of when you look at what he's trying to accomplish and i define him he has been an incredible playmaker he's been a better all-round player but am i still worried about his overall game am i still worried about his play on the boards his ability to actually score goals which was what he was in the national hockey league yeah i'm in more wait and see and i remember with anthony duclair a few years ago it went from we got to get this guy locked up to like a five-year deal i think he went to the all-star game based on goals and then by the end of the year well they didn't know what to do with him and he walked <laughs> out the door which ended up being a mistake justin but i, yeah. I guess i would wait and see but it is real pivotal because when I look at the Ottawa centers on that positive side, you pointed out, there's a lot of pieces in place. And then you're asking yourself as we go to the forwards, you know, Tarasenko is the big one. I think the rest of the group, when healthy, uh, you put Ridley Gregg back in, you certainly end up having Pinto in. I don't know internally. I don't think you're going to have a lot beyond that. So that's your big question. Then you get into defense and you want right-handed shots and other stuff. But your point being, the Ottawa Senators, there's no general manager in the sport that wouldn't look at it and say, man, I'd like to get a hold of that roster. I'd like to be able to put, I don't want to say the finishing touches, but that's the way it has to be looked at right now. The window has opened to compete. Those next pieces that you that you lay, and even, even small things on the fourth line, anything that you do going forward has to be with the mindset of being a playoff hockey team. No, exactly. I, th I think they probably have to make one trade here at some point, um, naturally, just to kind of tweak, tweak some of the roster. But other than that, they could mm -hmm. probably save the course uh, unless something slides into their lap. And when I say a trade, I mean like a hot, a true hockey trade. Yeah, um, for sure. That, that, you know, ideally there's another roster out there that you can help them and get a good player back. I know there's no win-win trades that we talked about the other day, but if you can find a, a, a trade match with you that, that each roster needs what you're willing to give up, um, I think that would, that would be working for the Sands just to kind of, because I think once you once you get your core in place, then it's all about tweaking the roster to be the best roster to actually win. So, mm -hmm. so you know, you might be like same as like the Mathot deal, right? You're you're little had a little extra forwards, 
trade your forward for a defenseman to kind of just fill that need that you have. And then it suited the other team, right? So um, if you can find a team like that, um, there's 32 teams in the league now. So um, it should, it's not always easy, but you should be able to find something there um, that will help both teams um, in the, in the future kind of thing. And then from there, it's, it's just about drafting well to refill those, that pipeline. And you're going to have to make a couple smart signings um, with the pro staff, um, in in the off season, you know that could be a, just a, a fourth, a good fourth liner. Could be a guy with Tarasenko's money um, that you're just you're just replenishing uh, and just giving a la- a little extra boost to the lineup because you will have that cap space. Um, I think you know, um, especially if you have a couple of younger guys like like Pinto's not going to be on a big contract next year. Um, Ridley Gregg still. Like, I mean, think of Rid- Ridley Gregg next year on 975. Um, exactly. That, 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 I mean, that goes a long way. So, <laughs> and, and with, a, with a, not a lot of teams having cap space, um, even next year, not a lot of teams will be having cap space. If you can, if you could make those good one-year signings of guys that are that really want to come in and play, I think there's a deficiency in the market there. And if you leave some room for that, I think, I think you can probably really give your team a boost um i gotta think and and, you know the league's going younger um because younger guys play quicker but all those young guys that played earlier you know five six eight ten years ago they're because they're working out they're still working out their bodies are going to be better than the guys 10 years ago that were 35 years old um so if you can find if you can find those guys uh and inject them into your lineup I, i think it really really would help yeah, it can. Now, I don't know if Ottawa, and this is part of with Tampa Bay, I wouldn't say it's all worked, but when they brought in the Patty Maroons in the past, they've done different things with different players. Question is, do people see us at destination? Secondly, can I have a boat in my backyard along with a Porsche in the front? And then thirdly, when you get into the tax situation, it's a real uphill climb from from the Sens perspective, other ones, but it is to me still where you have an opportunity and key is having a couple of first round picks, Justin, mm-hmm. is having the assets, as you said, I think more times than not trying to find the right hockey trade being confident that you've got a good situation you've got a good group and if you bring a player into this spot that you'll be fine the free agency part and and god i forget about the destination you see so many darn hits and misses uh, when it comes to that you be confident in the core that you have you manage it properly and we'll see what ends up happening yeah. but i don't think the suns sends have done anything sells anything but favors with new ownership and just the vibe around the hockey club you know you yeah. look at the experience Giroux has had you look at tarasenko i think overall whether it be young or old anybody that's come in here has spoken favorably and thought well, you know what this is a pretty darn good place to play right now led yeah. by brady kachuk and uh, that young leadership group yeah, and we got Bakes on here. Um, so Excellent. We'll, get, we'll bring him into the conversation. But guys used to stay in Ottawa too, you know, like Radic Bonk, like guys stayed. So Ottawa is a good yeah. place um, <laughs> as long as you're winning, I think. Well, exactly. And, and Bakes to that. Well, now you have emerged home. I think one of the programs <laughs> yeah. you have to set up, and you probably saw this in San Jose, you have to set up some type of a dating service as well, right, Bakes? Because one of the real keys here, marry local and stay local. Should that be the yeah. new saying for the Ottawa Senators? Yeah. Don't ask me about, <laughs> about uh, getting married. I'm over two. So. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, dating, well, th- third time, third time's a charm. Yeah, got my high school sweetheart dating her right now, so it's all good back in Ottawa. Well, that's awesome. Uh, just thoughts on, we'll get quickly. I was saying to, to, no. to Justin before we, you came on, we're exhausting all these sense topics, right, with yes. the trip to Sweden. But I haven't had you on, so I at least have to ask. Just 15 games in, what is your general big picture thought of the Ottawa Centers and what you've seen so far as an expert analyst? Yeah, as an expert analyst. Um, I still think there's a question mark regarding this team. You know, they're, they're I don't want to say they're treading water because they have turned it around but they got off to a slow start again. And there was a lack of structure. They didn't have that defensive commitment. Like I, I came into this season thinking one of the keys to success was going to be the forwards really buying into defensive schemes mm-hmm. and being fully committed across the board, all four lines being fully committed to playing strong defensive structure. They have good defensemen that can join the rush that can help with the offense. Um, you can help out the defense, They're the goalies if the forwards are helping. So having a unit of five that has a defense-first mentality, when they were losing those games, I didn't see it. There were gaps and holes all over the place. Guys were cheating for offense. And it's still at times you've got the core of the team, the best players, they're younger players, and 
they've gotten away with stuff their whole life. They're these guys are elite players, and it's not look how long it took Tampa to figure it out, right? It took them a long time to figure it out. So this team is still figuring it out, and they had to get a you know, it, it got nasty in the media, and there was so much you know, so much swirling around the team and non-hockey too. Um, but they kind of have hunkered down. I think we're going to find out in December. So to me, we'll know in December. And I know you don't like the schedule. I actually like the schedule for December, yeah. believe it or not. But I, I wasn't a, someone who loved practice. So these yeah. guys are going to be practicing a lot in December. No, 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 Bix. I'm not. I'm not laughing about the schedule because there is yeah. two schools of thought. One that you're going to get into a rhythm. To me, when you yeah. don't have structure and all of a sudden fatigue comes along, and I keep using the book and the and the the movie, The Perfect Storm, which a lot yeah. of people don't even know what it's about, but it it didn't didn't end good. But when I say that, Bakes, and 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 I laugh because Justin and I have the talk, like, okay, in training camp, this was going to be a team that DJ Smith, and and again, I'm even tired of Barrett and DJ Smith, so I'll even leave who the coach is alone. But it was going to be, I was going to coach these guys different. So I thought, well, you know what, training camp's probably the right time to do that. And the regular season or this preseason, you know, okay, it's just the preseason. Then the regular season starts, but then we're going to go over to Sweden and we're going to find out some magic. We're going to do something now. Wait till December. There's no way, Bakes. Well, I guess this. Have you ever seen these young players play properly in the time that you've covered the auto centers? I thought they played, after digging the hole, they dug themselves last year. I was pretty hard on the coaching staff last year in the month of November, like really hard, because it was another bad start after a summer and, you know, training camp preseason and preaching about how important the start was. And they didn't have one. And it was. Last November was terrible, and I thought there was structure in the second half of the year. Um, I thought they hit a wall the second week of November. I think it was when they went out to Seattle, or it was in Chicago. You could see they'd had some big wins. When they like, you look at those two that two game set against Detroit, where they blew them out, and how important those games were at the time. They had way more structure than Detroit did in those games. So, so I have seen it. I haven't seen it consistently. Not that you see every team do it. Like Boston does it consistently. There's there's the rare teams that do it as consistently as as coaches would want. But I did see it. That's why I thought they clawed them their way back into at least the topic of maybe we can make the playoffs. I know they fell short, but I thought they clawed their way back. And I thought that gave some some you know running room if you will for this coaching staff and i don't just look at it as dj smith i look at it as jack capuano david Payne, davis Payne. like there's some veteran guys here who do know what they're doing but they need complete buy-in that's what the team does as they're still i keep coming back they're still young Gord, gordy wilson you know he talks about the word maturity all the time and this team needs to be mature and we saw a perfect example was the first game over in Sweden. They weren't mature in the second period, and they actually showed some, you know, some maturity by settling down in the third and ultimately winning with that, you know, tremendous young skill that they have in overtime. So we saw a glimpse of it, but you're going to still have that inconsistency. Uh, well, you go through that. Do we have to have a moment? And my, oh my, guys, the years seem to run together. But the big one in Tampa Bay appeared to be a number of years ago when Kucherov got called out. It was like a big deal because he was going to be benched. That appeared to be a message, a fork in the road. Don't remember timing-wise, Bakes, but I thought that year they ended up winning the Stanley Cup. When you look at it from an Ottawa perspective, but I guess I'll go back to Tampa. It felt like he was the one guy that wasn't. Do you need to do that from an Ottawa perspective? And then do you think that would help in accountability with the rest of the group? I think it should have happened a while ago is yeah. what I think should have happened, you know, but I don't think it's too late. I never think it's too late. If, if, if habits need to be refined, let's just put it that way. And it's the same players or certain players are not adhering to the system or the de details that the coaching staff wants. And nobody sees this more than the coaches because they're breaking down the video. So they have, they have a, the access to the video. They can sit down with the players, show the players. So they only the coaches and players know how often there's a, you know, a message being communicated, you know, back and forth saying you kind of cheated here. 
Look at look at how wide your arc was here. Look at your angle here. Oh, you didn't finish your check here. Uh, that's kind of a bad turnover at the blue line. We don't want turnovers ever at the blue line, but you don't do it, you know, in the two minutes following a goal that, that was scored. <laughs> like you have to have game management, yeah. which should come, you know, guys should know it, but you do get reminded. You, you need to be reminded of this. So do I think it should happen? Yeah, I don't think it's too late to happen. Who? Who? I mean, I can... I can pick guys because I'm watching the games, but that's up to the coaching staff. But I do think if it's one of the younger one, younger players who's an elite player, it doesn't have to be – you don't have to sit them out. It doesn't have to be what just happened to line A. It doesn't have to be that bad. But if you sit them down for a few shifts, um, it will get talked about in the media. You talk about it, you're like, well, he's been instructed to make the changes. He hadn't. And we thought this was the only course of action that we were led to. Yeah. And, and last year, guys, they had one line. And so I think a bit of the theory in the process, which I don't agree with. But when Joseph was out, not that he was much of a factor, Bakes, but the big one was Drake Batherson had to play. And my, oh, my, I think if this year, if you look at it, that was painful with he and Debrinket and whoever ended up being in the middle, usually Pinto. But when I look at this year, and again, the poster child or the person, I look at kind of where they stack offensively as a team. It feels like, at least to me, both in perception of the person and the player, it feels like Batherson would be the easy guy to make an example of. And I guess, and I'm not trying to, like I said, it's not like, wow, it'd be tough on Brady, tough on Stutzel, but everything about the way Batherson plays would tell you, first of all, you know, he's not the main cog on your hockey team, but everything about his play needs a major, major reset at this point. So my first thought was last year, you mentioned they couldn't really do it because of the injuries. Yeah. And I don't necessarily agree. I'm, I know what you're saying. I don't necessarily agree with it because then you're just prolonging the change of habits. Like it's, yeah, it sucks. We don't have anyone to replace you right now but this is actually going to be better for you and the team in the long run. And that's what we're looking at here from a development standpoint. So I think he, it should have happened last year. There, there they were cheating. We know he was cheating all over. I think with Batherson, he's highly, here's a guy that's a highly skilled player, mm -hmm. plays a highly skilled game at times. I, I love when he, when he's playing fast and has a physical element to the game, it looks like he's more engaged in the game. And I think, you know, his offensive assets come to the forefront even more so in those types of games. But he's a guy that has played an offensive style his whole life. You can tell it. And I think he, what he feels about his game is when he's, like, he thinks he's having a good game and contributing to the team when he's creating scoring chances or getting points. Like, I think that's his first way of gauging how he is providing value. I love the term, how are you providing value? <laughs> That's where a mindset change has to happen at some point where you learn, and this is what I've talked about. I've talked about it on the radio. I talked about it preseason is you have to learn to love to smother the other teams from a defensive standpoint and piss them off. Like watch other teams get frustrated. I had to do it. I had to change the way I play. If I was going to play in the NHL, I was only going to make it as a defensive player. My first training camp, Peter Stastny was there. Michelle Goulet was there. Joe Sackick's friggin' backhand was better than my slap shot. <laughs> so I had, a, I, had a, I had to come to Jesus. Uh, if, if I have any chance of making this league, it's certainly not going to be in the top six. So I better be really detailed in other areas of my game. And that's what I did. I really focused on the defensive part, face-offs, penalty killing. But I learned to love it too. And you can watch when you're taking advantage of another, watching another team get frustrated is enjoyable to do. And you also know that they're going to start making mistakes. There's going to be turnovers, gaps in their game, which just leads to more offense. I think Batherson needs to have a bit of a mindset change. Mm -hmm. more than anything because when that happens then i he'll start to appreciate the details more the importance of the details and i think it'll improve his overall game 
And isn't it also a sign, Bakes, and I don't care whether it's when you broke in or when it's happening now, that a very good player at a lesser level, or sorry, lower levels, you could be a star coming out, you need to be coached, you need to adjust. Like, it's not like all of a sudden, and this is what you hear from people a lot, especially on defensemen, is, well, the guy's in the National Hockey League, he must know what he's doing. Well, first of all, maybe he's never done it before, but are you not kidding yourself at times to think that they even know some of the simplest things because they've gotten away, you know, just based on talent for so long? It's a hundred percent true. And it's, it's given them the freedom, the ability to go and do what they do best. And let's, let's call a spade a spade. Offense is way more fun. Scoring goals is more fun than shutting down someone defensively. Oh, and everyone uh, likes it, you more too. I mean, no, nobody right? finds a checker to be sexy. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no such, no such thing, but it is funny. Isn't it interesting every year come April, May and June, how we talk about the third and fourth line of teams. We always talk about how important those guys are and they score game winning goals in overtime and their role becomes more important. You still need the top players. You need the, you need the elite guys. You're not winning the Stanley cup without the elite guys, but those depth guys, they come to the forefront more during the playoffs and more than ever. It's, 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 this is the adjustment. And I think it takes everybody a little bit of time um, to adjust to the NHL. They're used to having the puck on their stick a certain percentage of time. Say, say it's 5% of the time. Now it's less than 1%, maybe 1%. That's a, that's a big swing. And it's, what are you doing with that other 4%? And what were you taught for that 95% of the time that you didn't have the puck? Were you taking chances? Were you making high risk plays? Uh, in often cases, that's what guys are doing. Yeah. Well, in the case of, say, a Bathard and Shabbat, we talk about a lot. They could just circle back, pick up the play. Two more questions for you before I go, Bakes. Uh, yeah. Thoughts on the positive of, and, and again, I go back to being not completely shocked because Matthew Joseph, when he came over a couple of years ago, he showed an energy and almost a bit of a power forward playing up on that right wing with Brady Kachuk and Stutzla. But this year is different. It's different in that he's playing with pace. I can't believe the purpose that he's playing with. Is this a difference of of a fresh start? But at the same time, does it not make a whole lot of sense that he actually plays his natural side? Because this is a completely different hockey player than we saw last year. I've heard you talk about or you've tweeted it saying whatever line he's on, he's helping propel that line. I'm, I'm equally surprised. I thought if the Sens had to move anybody because of the cap issues to try and sign Pinto, this is before any of the allegations and whatnot came out with Pinto, like we're hoping that he was going to sign, that Joseph would probably maybe be the guy that was going to be moved. I wouldn't want to move him right now, not for what you're paying him and the value that he's been bringing. It just shows you what motivation can do. He wasn't happy with his season last year, and he went about his business this summer and he trained hard and he came back. He's a, he's a, he's a faster hockey player. You can, he's in better shape. You can just tell. And I'm not saying he was in bad shape. I'm just saying he's in better shape because he's up the ice back. He's, he's first up. He's often the first guy back. His back checking is great. And you can see that he got a little bit of confidence earlier in the year because he was on, you know, picked up a goal, picked up an assist and he's used that confidence. And like you said, he's just shown so much energy out there, enthusiasm. He's been the most surprising player to me on the Sands by a long shot. Tarasenko's up there too. I know you've talked about that quite a yeah. bit. But Matthew Joseph, the way he's played this year has been, it's it's now looking like a good trade for Ottawa. That's yeah, it really is. And it wasn't, it didn't necessarily look like that before the season started. No, no, and I honestly, you kind of look at the group and it still feels like a one-line hockey team. Take him away. Just quick thoughts on, because I don't know what the hell is going to happen. What gives with the Edmonton Oilers, if nothing? Like, realistically, <laughs> the season is a, a write-off, and we're not even talking about December yet. So I haven't looked. I, I go and look at the analytics every now and then. I'm not, like, a mm-hmm. big analytics guy. But their, their high-danger chances for are second or third in the league, and their high-danger save percentage is second or third worst in the league. That is a really bad combo, yeah, yeah. you know? And, and so they're not, uh, it just shows you what, it shows you the, 
how powerful the mental side of sports can be. Simmer, you know, when you were on your game as a goalie, did you not see the players playing better in front of you? Like, I'll, I'll ask you that because if you trust your goalie, you're there's a little bit of freedom that you're not worried about making mistakes out there. You, if yeah. you're not playing, you're not playing careless or carefree, but you just trust that if there's a mistake, that last line of defense is going to mm -hmm. be there to cover you. That's the goalie's job. They're, they yeah. haven't been doing that this year. And no, no, and and joking. I, I'm not even joking about myself, but it was yeah. an inconsistent ride, and it's talking about junior hockey. One of the things I wonder deep down, boys, and I'll ask Bakes, and then Justin, we'll carry it over after Bakes yeah. leaves. Um, do you also reach a certain point where the rest of the team is a tad tired of looking at the big boys? Because no one will talk about that in Edmonton, but really start saying, listen, those two really haven't bought into playing properly. Whatever. You can talk to blame the goaltender. You can blame everybody else. But this is really the elephant at the room at the end of the day. Stevie Eiserman had to do it. All the greats had to do it at some point. Well, if they're not doing it, we got no chance anyway. That's a, it's a really good question. Yeah, I, yeah that's a good question. <laughs> Thank I you. think the worst, the worst, the worst case scenario is if guys are pointing fingers and saying, yeah. "Well, you need to step up, or you need to step up." This is this is a time when everybody needs to do self reflection and say, "How am I? What am I going to do to help improve this situation?" That, yeah. That's what they really need. So it's not sometimes it's not trying to do more; it's actually doing less and simplifying your game collectively which i don't think they've done so they played some good games but they're finding ways to lose and then it's impacting the confidence of the group and I, it's mystifying because yeah i'm not <laughs> i was on with jr and hammer at the start of the year in Lloyd and i picked them to win the stanley oh, cup yeah. so whatever so don't ask me i have no freaking <laughs> clue what's going on oh no no and i i even think back to this is so different of imagine when st louis was in last place and they fired up the Gloria song and at that point nobody in st louis cares this is a whole different animal anyways said we keep you at 12 35 last little longer bakes yep. thanks for coming on brother uh you're sure looking was. excellent I, I like the high and tight it's a nice look on it's, you well looking... you know what it's this was uh out of necessity no i was becoming that guy with the flip over you're like oh, He's oh that yeah, guy. yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, so, I did so that I'm as not, well not down to the wood like you are but pretty yeah. close so this oh, is good. it this is the new new. Wow. Hey, you guys well, are look, doing awesome. I love the show. So, yeah, thanks very much, brother. Thanks thank for you. tuning in. Thanks thank for coming you. on, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you today. soon. Yes, thanks, guys. Bye. Cheers, Bakes. Yeah, he certainly, Justin, he can relate to that. Uh, of course, Jamie Baker, star hockey player at St. Lawrence, yeah. uh, drafted by Quebec. Just a great guy and, and yeah. really worked great hard. Career. And as he yeah. said, I have an appreciation for the Bakers and for the Kiprios and, and for anybody. Uh, we even referenced Matthew Joseph when a guy like that's probably a pretty good junior player, having changed things yeah. around. But I want the hot topic and we got to stay on it because I didn't even think of that until we were talking Edmonton. But here's a few things that I'm thinking of, Justin, when I go through the Edmonton Oilers. They're still in the back of their mind, and this is the Chris Pronger effect, and it's every effect. And remember when Chris Pronger decided to leave town because his wife didn't like it there anymore, whatever it ended up being, which I have no problem with, they made the trade. Do you remember everybody and their brother that liked Edmonton got a contract? Freddie Pisani, you like Edmonton? Here's a five-year deal. You like Edmonton? You stay. Mm -hmm. There is still a bit of that in the back where a normal athlete, a normal duo like this, if they're in New York City, and I'll think back to Mark Messier when he was there, the crap that he took for the media, not being able to deliver till 94, there's still a little bit at the end of the day that people with McDavid and Dreisaitl, don't be critical. Don't make them mad. We don't want them to end up leaving Edmonton. And to me, that is still the elephant in the room, Justin. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. And I think if you look at, obviously, the best player of my generation is Sidney Crosby. He was very good defensively, obviously. He was the best at it. And then you have Jonathan Taze. Um, cap like captain that wins a cup two-way guy so we kind of almost maybe forgot about you know those stevie y and that some some good players have to go through that um mm -hmm. uh and so because recency bias right so um i think i think with mcdavid and dry yeah i think the onus becomes on them um i have a buddy that's been saying this forever and and partly agreed but like it the onus has to be on them they have to set the tone for their team um and mm -hmm. and are they a better team um when they're playing 
strong defensively. I mean, there's no reason McDavid needs to do a big circle and a flyby or whatever, you know, and, and I, I hate saying that I really do because I know how good he is. Oh um, but, but at some point that's what it has to be. Unfortunately, um, it, long are the days of Gradsky's group just scoring a bunch of goals and grant fear saving uh a couple at the end for them to win you know six five like they can do that some nights but that's not a way mm. to win in this league anymore um and and you need to you need you're on the ice a ton you need you need to be setting the tone for your team for your teammates for the organization and and playing the right way um and 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 that there's no shame in not doing it right now but you it's time to make that change um, and, and I think only good things would come from it. I mean, it's proven that, that, uh, guys that have bought into that right way to play end mm-hmm. up doing, becoming a better player. Um, so, so I think that's the, the next step. Now you have to have the right coach to implement that. You have to have a coach that demands respect that can, that has done it before and, and, and can show you the way. And, uh, I don't see that in the coach that they have right now. Um, yeah, I wouldn't so, even know. Uh, I don't want to call well, him no neck. I'll call him no I just think it's block, so hard. But, you, well, it, what an awkward situation. And yeah. I don't even know. And this would be, again, adding to the intrigue and level. You had Jeff Jackson, who is the agent for Sidney Crosby. He comes in. He's all of a sudden aligned with ownership. You even have the Connor Brown situation where they decide to dress him for the 10th game. $3.25 million on the cap hit next year. They're not even going to end up making the playoffs. And as far as Connor McDavid, what's not to like? Like, that's the one thing I will say. And for the years of watching Eric Carlson here, and you saw it behind the scenes, Justin, but there was enough times where his body language wasn't great. I'm not saying McDavid doesn't play properly or does play properly all the time, but I've never watched his body language and thought, you know what, the guy's floating out there. You just wish you could critique it a little bit. So that pressure, but what they've done now in bringing in a coach and insulating him I almost wonder if this has embarrassed him. And I also wonder, Justin, do you think they came in with a bit of the mindset of, you know what, the first 20 games, worst case, we're going to be 500, right? Like, you know, hey, worst case here that we're not going to come out, like not every sense of urgency. We've seen Tampa Bay do this before. We'll be fine. We'll be 500. Then we change a little bit of the 20-game mark. Then we change it 40. And now all of a sudden, all you're looking at is a disaster that is continuing to snowball. Yeah, it, it really is. And and like, it's not definitely all on the big guys at all. That's not what I'm trying to say. I, I think no, everyone no. on the team could look at themselves and play better is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Um, and that includes the top guys. Um, and, and it's just, it's about the leadership effect of it, um, you know, but it's tough to, when you don't get saves at times, I'm not, <laughs> it's not on all the goalie, but, and then your, your defensive core lacks hockey sense and lacks major defensive hockey sense. So it could, it could be, it could wear on you when, you know, mm-hmm. you, you think you're heading up by turnover or, or you think you can, you know, every guy has a guy and then all of a sudden there's an open man and he goes and scores a goal against you. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, that wears on you and it's not your fault always, but there is at times, you know, and, and it's not day in and day out, but they, you you got to just bear down a little bit and and do what you have to do um to you know prevent a goal in a big situation you know in the third period um and and you do see it at times so you know it's there he's mm-hmm. the best player in the world um okay. so he's capable of it it just has to become a little more natural um and when he gets mad you can see him just go and just do whatever he wants right so uh yeah it's uh it's a shit show to say the least there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also go through kind of the three phases of sometimes if the goaltending is a question mark, you've got the lockdown defense at home last year when he came in and still just their best defensive defenseman, but the rest of the group, you don't look at it and say, okay, they can lock it down. So if the goalie yeah. starts to struggle and then the forward group, so you can't really say, and it's much like here in Ottawa, but the other lesson to be learned and just one kind of sideways thing, the pressure on different athletes, as you said, to get the check off the monkey off the back and never happened for Joe Thornton I think Ovi was the last one to check that list right where it had become such a story and that's Mm -hmm. all he was going to be defined by was forget about the Gretzky record he didn't end up winning internationally didn't end up winning he finally got over the hump he's loving hockey but from the Edmonton side as we talk about the small critiques and it's so similar to here in Ottawa they were in a pretty good spot a couple of years ago Justin but they didn't draft well and then quite simply at the end of the day when you've got a certain amount of cards to play when you play that Campbell card and it's an absolute dud, it's a fold your hand. You got to fold your hand with Jack Campbell. 
that to me is pretty much, unless you're going to do something internally, I know Skinner is a decent young goaltender, but you're pretty much screwed at that point you're, that you've made yeah. your bed with a goaltender like that. Yeah. Um, the, the organization has done no favors to them. Um, yeah. I will say that. And, and that, that makes it tough um, when you can't get saves in this league and, it's it's going to be a grind, um, especially you know, kind of their back end, how they play. They they got Ackham Ackham. I like I like Bouchard, but they're again not a not a great defensive player. You know, um, CC Nurse not great defensively for the most part. They don't move the puck efficiently out of the zone. I don't think. Um, and and it, it's, it just makes a bad recipe. And and that's probably where other teams at. It's probably just a bad recipe of guys. <laughs> but those guys could, you know, go to another team and, and look better there. But whenever you have the, the whole of it, it makes it tough because it's a lot of the same type of guys um, that – that leads to bad, uh, bad situations. Yeah. And it just ends up being magnified. As I said, Edmonton to me and, and some people, I find it interesting because they kind of look at it as uh, Pittsburgh 2.0, where all of a sudden you had the Gretzky air, you get McDavid and Dreisaitl. I, I never faulted them for that. It happened. Uh, they have not had the great drafting around it. When you think as far back to Yakupov, you think of Pugliarvi, but I just look at it, Justin, and I don't think that there's been a better fan base in the National Hockey League. And for realistically, they had the one trip to the finals in the early 2000s, but overall, since the departure of Messi, basically the sell-off to the New York Rangers, it's been a gong show in Edmonton. But what have the people done there? They have been done nothing but fill that building. Like to me, that's the part I respect is that hey, remove any of the stuff about them being spoiled. Just say to yourself, well, man, yeah. that that group there and that old dirty building. Now they got the brand new one that's great. But they were an awfully where they are a passionate fan base that actually does deserve winning hockey team, even yeah. if you're a little bit jealous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a treat to go watch Connor McDavid play and Leon Dreisaitl every, every day. And, and um, I mean, I, you, you pay for that, but they, yeah, they've mm -hmm. done a good job. Um, especially, you know, when this economy right now hasn't been great. So, no. so good for them. Kudos to them. Um, they, you know, they probably, they want to see their team uh, and they want to see Connor McDavid win a cup. I think, uh, I think a lot of, no matter who you cheer for in this, you know, if, you're from Canada, whatever team you cheer for, you probably are okay seeing Connor McDavid win a cup and you probably realize how good it would be for hockey. Um, but that said, they're, they're a long ways away. It, it looks like this year. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and it's funny, you know, a lot of people had them going to the cup or doing well in the Western conference. Um, a lot of analysts and, and hockey yeah. people um, and, and look how quickly it can change. And that's this league. The, the league is just, that's what it is. Um, there's a lot of good teams now and we can say, say this till the cows come home, but it's a good, good league right now. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's 32 teams. So, um, you gotta be in the top half, um, to make the playoffs now. And, and, um, a lot of things have to go right. So, yeah, well, they really do. And, and you just pointed out 32 teams. It is when 16, this isn't the old 21 team league and, and that division that they were in, although good Edmonton back in the day, but Hey, you could get off to a slow start. You could make up ground. Now I'll also say this, if you're an Edmonton fan and you're always trying to hold any glimmer of hope, God, we're still more than a month away from Christmas time. Quite simply, the wild card spot is being held by okay. Hockey teams, hockey yeah. teams that are in and around 500. I did put out, and I don't know if you saw it and it's right off. Uh, as we're basically an hour into the show, but wanted to ask, I was trying to think from my stamp, my standpoint, what are some of the dynamic duos that we've seen in sports that have not ended up winning a championship? And I was kind of hard pressed, Justin, going through the National Hockey League over the years to really think. I mean, I guess if you're a Sens fan, you can get into a Spezza Alfie. And I'm not saying that that's McDavid or Dreisaitl, but I was realistically trying to think of, we could say last year, that not only were they the dynamic duo, but there was a good argument that Dreisaitl and McDavid were the two best players on the planet. First of all, how often does that happen in yeah. sports and in the National Hockey League? And then how often, because Sid delivered fairly quickly, like can you think of many times That's, in sports, all the sports where that has not happened for athletes and, and just how much of a negativity that could take on its life, not just for the one individual, but I think a lot of people look at them. Now, I think a lot of blame goes to the organization, but do you know what I mean? Where, hey, yeah. that duo you would have thought would have won a cup by now. Yeah, no, 100%. They, they, now there's still time, I think. Oh, um, God, yeah. In, in, in theory, they should, I mean, they don't make these bad contracts in theory they should 
get a little better every year because because what they were bad at you know two years ago was their depth and now they're they're kind of have some younger guys coming in so in theory they should be getting better each time but it's how long this can go on for without Mm -hmm. just the wheels blowing off um and the top two guys being just completely upset but they might have it in them uh and it might be that much sweeter when they do win a cup Mm -hmm. after all the adversity um but if they have that in them and wanting to stick around I mean, neither of them look like they want to stick around right now. <laughs> that said, but that's just that's just in the moment stuff, right? Um, Long term, you know, who knows where their minds are at. But um, if they can kind of make some smart moves here, they have some guys filling in, um, some younger guys. So you hope that that depth continues. Um, and, and Leon has that big contract coming up too, so that's going to eat at it. So they need to draft well. Um, yeah, that's I a agree. Team that, that's a team that needs to draft well and or, you know, they have some guys coming like uh, Borgo, um, you know, uh, Holloway hopefully can pick it up here. Um, from there though, you're, you're going to have to turn into the Tampa mode of let's make some good trades and, and fill this roster and, and screw the picks. You know, we have, we have five or six guys that we think can help us here play in the next year or mm-hmm. two or three years from what yeah. the picks we've made. Now let's just dive into good contracts with term um, with our picks that we have and, and, and just build this team for Connor and Leon. Um, yeah. Really, what what more can you do at this point? No, you can't. And you end up being desperate. And that's where you, when you look through the team building, I agree. And, you know, hey, with a guy like Kane, you roll the dice because you have no choice. And that has, for the most part, worked out okay. In Connor Brown, a unique situation based on injury, you could bring a guy in at 750. We'll see what happens within the system. But as you go through that model and you look from a Tampa Bay standpoint, and after you end up with an incredible pick like Point, you've already got Kucherov and Stamkos. The pecking order in the part that is difficult and forget about Sorelli but at the end of the day my oh my there is no headman to be found I mean Darnell Nurse maybe is big maybe even skate as well you don't have that you don't have that stabilizer and then of all the things I just checked out Justin you don't have Vasilevsky that's the part for Edmonton I know they can do it but it is feel like the last few years it's been forced and then once again we'll have this year and I guess the other thing, and maybe Kenny Holland's going to retire anyway, when you make a coaching change this early and it already looks like it's gone sideways, that's Justin when, as you know, things really get nasty, right? Because now now the infighting, you still got a lot of track to go, and it almost feels like they made a mistake in the coaching change itself. Yeah, yeah. that's And that's just it's continuing mistakes from the organization, I guess. And, and there's really like, it's a, not much more you could say about it. It's just like, man, you needed a, an experienced coach and this is what you went and did. Um, yeah, it just, exactly. it, just blows my, it just blows my mind how, yeah. how you're so close, but so far at the same time and you do yourself no favors at all. Yeah, well, and it, and it was handpicked. I mean, you look to that, and yeah. like I said, I worked with Jeff Jackson, great guy, real bright guy. But when you're trying to please a player, and this was handpicked from nowhere, I kind of looked around the world of hockey and thought, who's the next player or person going to be? And I honestly was thinking, boy, would they do something bold and wild like a Dale Hunter? Well, that obviously is not the case. He doesn't end up going there. Uh, quick thoughts before we wrap things up, just from a sense perspective, because I know for the fans, Sweden was a lot of fun. I think this week, whether you're feeling good or bad about the hockey team, aren't you just pumped to get some games back aren't you just looking forward to friday and i think just the schedule here justin and forget about us sitting back and talking about how this is going to work and me bringing up the perfect storm everything else are you just not excited to get back into a regular schedule of watching this hockey team and just enjoying a little ice hockey as the weather turns into that sucky time of year yeah yeah it's uh we're coming into an interesting part for them it's uh make it or break it i think for the year um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. I, I got to think, you know, we'll probably talk about the game a lot more tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. but I got to think they come out firing. They'll be chomping at the bit to get going here. Um, and you know, five days off after a couple of wins, you're going to want to, you're going to be ready to roll. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's a home game, a team that you, I think you can beat. I think you can play defensively and, and score some goals against this team. And I, I think, uh, full steam ahead here. Um, and, but for, for us and the fans, yeah, we definitely want to watch um, the Suns play here um, because you know it, it is a it is a defining point of the season, I think, and um, it's been a while since we've had games. So just to kind of get into that, you want to enjoy the ride too, right? Like that's that's oh, part of it, right? Yeah. So yeah. so to have have some wins, watch some good hockey. Um, I, I gotta think. Uh, I gotta think uh, it'll be good. Uh, good crowd tomorrow night and uh, ready to roll, and the boys will be firing. 
Yeah, and I, I just think, as you said, Justin, everybody, it is not looked upon, and this is part of why people get so fired up. You just want to have some fun here. It was the mm-hmm. expectations. Even the last year didn't start. Then kind of the season ended. You got new ownership. Yeah, people just want to go to the rink and have some fun. And I would love individually tomorrow night, I'd love a checklist as the guys start to suit up and throw the skates on, get out to warm up. I wish you could go into every skater. And the other thing we'll discuss tomorrow is who would you start in goal? Because it's such a big discussion after Corpus Allo got injured but of course uh, uh, Forsberg came and played so well I'd love to know within each athlete how are you feeling right because you've had the time off the science has been in place but at the same time Justin you haven't had a block like this right this isn't normal to have this much time off as an athlete so how is everybody going to be feeling by uh, puck drop tomorrow night after seven o'clock yeah um, I I think it'll be good I I think there's a lot of buzz right now so um country night too so the people oh will be nice giving her a little are, bit are you the gonna be, will be, are you gonna be attending? I, I, I think i might be attending i'm, I'm gonna see um nice. i think the valley will be uh out in full force tomorrow night yeah. uh with jade eagleson playing so it'll, it'll just be a beauty vibe as you say and uh <laughs> a little friday hockey right so yeah. what, what more do you want uh, a little country music uh, a couple of pops to end the end the weekend or end the uh, week work week. Um, so yeah, it'll be good. Uh, I think uh, I think it should be a good fan base, and and the guys will be given her as we say in Shawville. All right. Well, absolutely. Well, enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Sounds like a great Friday. Nothing better than the Valley people. Thank you to Jamie Baker for coming on. And yeah. like I said, from a topic standpoint, talked a little bit of Oilers, but from a sense perspective, man, oh man, we beat a dead old horse. So let's tune in tomorrow and then let's see what happens through the weekend. But for everyone out there, enjoy the beautiful weather in Ottawa. Just kidding. I wish I was down in Florida right now, but enjoy your day. And we will look forward to chatting with you tomorrow on a good old Friday and a sense game day over and out later and that's a wrap hope you don't miss us too much until next time follow the sick podcast simmer down with john simpson on youtube facebook google play and apple Podcasts.